So I eat these Quest bars, you know, and sometimes it's like, that'll be pretty much all I eat in a day. And then while I do it, I get on Instagram and I go to like search and then it's just food and I watch layer cakes, cupcakes, donuts, pizza. And then I'm just thinking about the binge, just like thinking about it. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery in sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four-time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know those deep, dark secrets you probably want to take to your grave? Or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing? Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Parker. Parker, I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. What is your secret? My secret is that I have an eating disorder. And I know that sounds like, yes, you and everyone else on the planet. And it's not so much that no one knows that I have eating disorders, but it's more, the secret is more that all this shit that I'm still doing. Mm. Because I my story is that I'm recovered, but the truth is there's a lot that's not recovered. So when did this secret first start? When did you start like going through those eating disorder situation when you were younger? Well, okay. So I starved for the first time when I was six and that wasn't (laughs) and that wasn't necessarily about like wanting to be thin. That didn't happen until nine. Um, but six was more, um, my, my mom was, um, mentally ill and, and she had my baby sister at home and I really felt unsafe with them being at home by themselves. I was like, she can't do it. I need to be there. So I was in first grade and I realized, oh, if I don't eat my lunch, I will start to feel really sick. Like I have the flu. And then I can go to the principal, you know, I can go to the principal's office and say, I feel sick and I can go home and then I can make sure that my mom and my sister are okay. So that was sort of the first time that I used the tool of starving to serve me. And, um, and then a couple years later, I remember being in the car with my mom and seeing this girl jogging and she was like really tan. I'm really not tan. And she had thighs that were like, thin, but also very like muscly and very defined. And my thighs are just creamy white and they're just (laughs) soft. And I just remember looking at her thighs and then looking down at my like spreading thigh, like spread over the car seat. And I was like, nope, this is not acceptable. And honestly, I'm in my forties and I still feel the same way about my thighs. And, um, so, you know, did I did anybody say anything ever about your thighs or is it just something you have always felt? 
it's more just something I've always felt like I, I was an early bloomer. So like I was, I've, I've never been like overweight, but I was definitely big. I was like one of the tallest kids and I had like big feet. So I was, and I had a lot of girlfriends who were like middle and they were like a size one and I were like a size nine, you know? And I just, so I always felt very big in space. And also my mom is obese and she's been obese my whole life. So just having that as a woman and a girl having, and she hates her body. Like I never saw her naked, like so much shame, doesn't want her picture taken. So I think I got a lot of that hardwiring of just like, even though I know intellectually that I am not big, I feel big. And a lot of times too, that's what I see. So it's like, even to this day, like I'll say crazy shit to my husband and he'll be like, you know, like I'll see someone and I'll be like, do my legs look like hers? And he's like, honey, you're like half the size of that. But I literally don't see it. Like, I'm not trying to be an asshole. Like I literally, I do. That's not what I see. No, I have had an eating disorder too. So I complete yeah. in high school. So I remember until I, I got so thin and everybody used to tell me how great I looked. And so yeah. then I would get, I got a little thinner and then it wasn't so good looking anymore. And people started telling right. me that. And I would just think they were jealous or something. But yeah, but I remember specifically someone took a picture of me and I saw the picture and I yeah. saw what they saw. Yeah. And it, my eyes didn't see the same thing. No. It's like no. this, it, this distortion or something. Yeah. 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 And honestly, that's part of my disorder too. And that's something that's like still a thing because it's like, I'll look in and I have this weird thing. Like if it's a new mirror, somehow magically, it's like a thin mirror. So like, I'll go to like cheesecake factory and I'll be like, damn bitch. All right. We're getting cake, you know? But then if I'm home and it's my regular old mirror, I'm like, "Mm -mm, nope. Oh boy. Now what are we going to do? Get out the sweats, you know, cover it up. And, um, I forget where I was going with that. But it's okay because I have a question. So you, you withheld food from yourself instead of like binging. Oh no, I do that too. But oh, so it was a combination of both. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's a lot of control and, um, over-exercising. Like I never actually threw up, but like, I think one of the tricky things and, and how I can still carry it today is I'm very good at looking like I have my shit together. I was never 80 pounds. I was never 800 pounds. You know, I would go to 12 step meetings that are about you know, I've gone to food programs for years and I did all the stuff and I read all the books and I had a sponsor and I sponsored and the entire time I was lying, like not all the time, not about everything. Like what? Give me some examples. Okay. So in, in these programs, they talk about being abstinent and sometimes, and that just means like it's individual. It's whatever that thing is for you. For some people, it's no sugar. For some people, it's no binging. For some people, it's three meals a day with nothing in between. And I mean, it's been so long. I can't even tell you what my abstinence was, but it's like, I would have it and then I would lose it. And like, I wouldn't say anything. And part of it was like, because I was getting away with it. And I would go to these meetings and people would say things to me like, what are you doing? Cause I went, cause I looked normal, you know, I was like a size, you know, I just, I wasn't big, I wasn't small, you know? And, and so 
to them, they would look to me like I had the answer. And, and the whole time I'm thinking like, this is a lie. And, and that's tied into the anorexia too, right? Cause it's like, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. when you, even when you are teeny tiny and even in, in that microsecond that you might actually be feeling it too, your head's going, you're a fucking liar. This is a fucking sham. Do you know how fucking hungry I am right now? And I'm doing all this so I can look like this for you. And it's, I can't even own it because it's not even real. Cause I know the moment I eat a pizza or eat a sandwich, it's all, it's all done anyways, you know? So yeah. it's just a giant illusion. Yeah. And it, for me, it was all just about the one thing I can control. Like I can control my body, right? No one can like stop me from controlling it. And I remember my parents one time wanting me to drink a milkshake. And I was like, I am not drinking a milkshake. Like that's disgusting, mm-hmm. which today mm-hmm. I'll drink a milkshake. I like right love a good milkshake. Right. Anyways, but yeah. And then if I drank the milkshake, I would then beat myself up about it in my head. Right. Or be so afraid, like be like, and for me, I think part of why I still do what I do and I, and I want to get into what I do today because it's gnarly. Um, but a part of it is I, it, this, the, the disorders are so wrapped up into my identity that I'm literally like, I don't know who I would be without this. Like every once in a while, I will dare myself to just dream about what if I had freedom from food obsession? What if I didn't spend, you know, and this is, these are the days that I'm not worrying about, you know, a job or my kid or my husband or somebody being sick or, you know, like the bigger stuff, if I don't have that stuff to obsess about, then this is, this is where I go. The default is food. What did you eat? What didn't you eat? When can you eat again? Did you eat too much? You know, I I still track calories like a fucking weirdo on my, on my calculator app, you know, and it's like, and I'll go into like the next day. So it's like, you're 600 negative for like Tuesday and it's Sunday, (laughs) but I'll keep track of it because somehow in my head, I'm like, I'm going to catch up. Um, so is that some of the stuff you're still doing today? Yeah. That's the secret you're holding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I just want to backtrack really yeah, fast. Yeah. So, you know, so I did all the lying within the program and then, and I think part of, you know, a lot of times, cause I do believe eating disorders are an addiction. That's just, me. Oh, that's yes. what I believe. And I definitely, that's why I like fully qualify as an addict, um, is I never really hit a bottom. And so I actually ended up like leaving my whole life and went back to my parents' house. And coincidentally, my sister was living in my parents' basement and she's, she is a drug addict. And so she had just gotten back from rehab. She had no job. She had no car, like nothing. Like she's, so she's hit her bottom, you know, she's in the basement, like doing her thing. Like, and she, she was, she was counting days and, um, and so I would drive her to her AA meetings, but then subsequently I'm, I'm one level above in the living room and I just, something about the move, cause I, this was not a conscious, this wasn't a conscious decision on my point, like, like on my part, like I'm going to leave my life and like kind of put myself in rehab, but that's kind of what happened. So I'm at my parents' house. I have no job. I have no health insurance. I have no money. And I remember I just, for six weeks, I sat on my parents' couch and I just ate which I'd never let myself do before. It was like, I'm going to like, I'm going to, I'm going to binge, but then I'm going to starve. And then I'm going to go to the gym. And it was like this, like, brrr, you yeah. know, and, 
and all these meds to like the antidepressants that would like make me speedy and they would make me be able to eat even more because it would raise up my metabolism. So then I'm taking the downers so I can go to sleep, but those aren't working. So then I'm driving to 7-Eleven at 3 a.m. Like it was so crazy. Yeah, that's everything you just said a heroin addict could say. And it right. would like be the same exact description. Yeah. And I would be driving around like on all those downers that were supposed to make me sleep. I'm driving my car, like going like, I need to get ice cream. And so, so when I went home and I just ate and I remember I even like, I got a really expensive gym membership and I would like go to the gym and I'd try to get on the elliptical and I'd be like, nope. You know, and I would go back home. She and I would just, just mocked eat. being on an elliptical, <laughs> oh, yeah, just sorry. so you know. <laughs> and I was like the bitch who was like 5 a.m., you know, in the middle of winter, like doing running or five miles because I, because I wanted to be able to eat that day. Right. Right. I want to eat and, but I had to earn it. And so, um, so yeah, so I went home and just sat on the couch and I hit a bottom and it was like the best thing I could have ever done for myself. And so I, I did that. I just ate for probably like a good month and a half. And then one day I went on a weird internet date with some random guy and he took me to a Tori Amos concert and I'm obsessed with her. And it was like, I've seen her like so many times. And so I'm watching her and I just had this moment and I really believe this was like from God, like direct channel. I just looked at her performing and this voice said to me, do you see that greatness up there? You have that too. Like you have all that in you and aren't you so tired of hating yourself? And literally in that moment, I was, it was a gift. And I've never gone back to that same place. And so my secret that I'm sharing with you, because that's the story I tell. And it's true that I've never gone back to that place, but really sometimes the only difference between that and now is that I don't judge myself in the same way. Mm. And I don't get scared that because, and I, and I, you know, if anyone's listening that has eating disorders, first of all, I love you. Second of all, um, for me, I had to create a life that I wanted to show up for. So that was the other difference is, is me in that it was 2005. Like I didn't like my job. I didn't like my apartment. I didn't like where I was living. Like I, I had sort of set up a life for myself that I didn't want to show up for. So it's like, of course, of course, of course you're going to yeah. and call in sick and lie and do all the shit you were doing. And now today I have a life that I want to show up for. Um, but, but I, I, first of all, the level of fantasy. So I still binge there. There's, there's my secret. I binge and I don't even know. It's probably once every couple months. Mm-hmm. And I, it's very secret, you know, and the first crazy part is just the level of fantasy that I do. I mean, it's like when people talk about suicidal ideation, I feel like I do that with binging. Like if I'm feeling like you plan your meals, what you're going to get, you go on Yelp and you look like, Ooh, I'm going to go to that place and get that. Yeah. Well, here's another thing. Oh, and this, this ties back. This is another disordered thing that I still do. So when I was really anorexic, I used to like eat my diet yogurt with like the two tablespoons of grape nuts. And I'd put a ton of salt in it because the salt would give it more flavor. And I would sound so (laughs) gross. I'm sure every listener is going, what? I ate everything with salt. I used to cut pears and dip them into kosher salt, like every bite. 
And I think it was just because my body wanted flavor so badly. And it was like, that was all that I would give to myself. So somehow that was maximizing it. So anyways, um, I would eat this diet yogurt and I would look at food magazines and I would look at like ribeyes and like baked potatoes and, and I would literally pretend that that's what I was eating while I was eating the same 90 calorie, you know, key lime pie bullshit, Nutrisweet (laughs) yogurt. Right. So I still do that. So now today, like my thing is quest bars, like I'm obsessed with quest bars that, and this is part of my disordered eating too, is I get into these, like, like right now it's summer. So it's like, it's all about salads. And then winter, it's all about like soups. Yes. <laughs> but I do this weird fucked up shit with my soup too. So it's like not even soup. It's kind of like stuffing and I bake it with like egg whites. And it's, <laughs> oh my God. Cause I want volume. I want to like eat a lot, you know, it's like whatever I'm eating, it has to be like a lot of it. So, um, so yeah, so I eat these quest bars, you know, and sometimes it's like, that'll be pretty much all I eat in a day. But I like have this ritual where I get the bars. It's always the same kind. It's always, I eat the one first and the second one second. And then while I do it, I get on Instagram and I, and I go to like search and then it's just food and I watch, you know, layer cakes, cupcakes, donuts, pizza. And so it's like, it's either I'm like, and then I'm just thinking about the binge, just like thinking about it and planning it. And it's very complicated because I want to do it where it's like, I don't have to work that day. I don't have to work the next day. You know, it's like, I need like, I need like two days to do it properly, which is really hard when you're married and you have a kid. And, you know, so it's like, you know, I'm trying to like, be like, don't you guys want to go on a camping trip without me? Like, it feels like this is the one thing that like, I truly look forward to, which how sad is that? You know, cause of course, you know, I mean, from, I'm assuming you've binged before. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, right. So it's like the first, whatever, probably 10 minutes is like kind of amazing. And then you're like, I feel sick. Yeah. It's like the first couple of bites and then the rest of it kind of, I I remember I used to like want to eat it really fast so that my mind couldn't stop me, I guess, is what I remember a long time ago. But yeah, it was only those first couple of bites for me. And then you're like, it stops tasting good. It stops tasting good. And then like your mouth starts to hurt and then your stomach starts to hurt. And I'll literally go to like, I feel like I'm going to throw up and I don't throw up. It's like, I just don't want to. Um, Throwing up is not a thing for me. So I, I, I keep it. Um, yeah, but it's just, it's just so interesting. It's like, what is that? I definitely like when I'm like mid binge or definitely like when I'm in the after part, when you just feel kind of comatose, one of the thoughts that always comes up for me is like, honey, you can take a break. Like there's this lead up when I, when it's like, I've made the decision and I'm off to the races and it's happening that it's like, I don't, in those moments, I don't see, you could have just like taken a bath yeah, or, like, or just had one slice of the pizza or two right, or right, three and that's right, enough. Right. Why do we always have or to let go yourself, to extreme? Or let yourself lay in bed and watch Netflix all day because that's what I'm doing. And that's really, I don't want to say where all the pleasure comes from, but a lot of it, a lot of it is like, I want an excuse to lie in bed all day. But here's my other thing for you that I don't think we're hitting on. Okay. There's something inside that just doesn't allow us or people or you to just be, 
to be where you are, to be present. And instead we eat, we Instagram swipe, we, you know, compare and despair to other people to get out of ourselves. So if my question for you, I'm just going to jump to how do you move forward? Okay. And my question for you, where's the pause button before you do those things, before you put, you know, that, you know, whole pizza or layered cake. Mm -hmm. So where's that pause and go, why? Because for me, the moments I go, why do I want to do this so bad right now? And why am I obsessively thinking about this thing? Something else deeper is going on. And what is that? And for me, it's usually fear. It's usually sadness. It's usually all those abandonments sometimes. Right. So for you, how do you move forward? Well, I, I know what works for me and it's really simple. It's just reaching out, Mm. you know, and, um, I'm really lucky that I have, I have a husband who is also a compulsive overeater. We actually met in the program and it's really beautiful because I've seen him struggle. He's seen me struggle. And we have this really beautiful, very, like it's unsaid because we both understand to our core that there's nothing that you can say to that person in that moment when they're in their disease. Totally. You know? um, but I, but I've said to him many times, like, and he'll do it to me too. Like, I'll be like, I am done. I'm done eating for the day. Or I'll say, I want to binge and this is what I want to do. And, um, and then we just talk about it. And like nine times out of 10, that pause is enough. Mm. And that, and you just have to yeah. be good enough with that. And yeah. There's no perfection and we just do the best we can and we show up for our life. And I think that's lovely that you have a partner that you can have that communication with. Yeah. It's really special. It's really special because I feel like normies, you know, people that don't have eating disorders, like bless them, you know, they, they don't get it. No. And you can't, you can't get it. No, you can't get it. And people that have had eating disorders or still going through it now, you are not alone. Mm-mm. And, and the problem is, is you're probably going to have it the rest of your life. So right. you have to manage it or it will kill you. Yeah. We don't think it's as deadly as drugs or alcohol or those, that kind of addiction, but it will kill you Yeah, because you're taking your body through this thing that is is not healthy. Yeah. And especially if you're like me, it's just, it progresses, you know, like Mm -hmm. I've noticed the more I do it, the more it's like, I'm eating it faster. I'm doing it more, you know, it's like, cause I didn't used to do that. I was like, I was this saver and I would like savor it. And now I'm just like, ah, and I can see, I can really see. It's like, I just so badly want to numb out. I just want to numb out. Well, thank you for sharing your secret with us. Welcome. Thank you for listening to Secret Life Podcast. If you have a past secret that you've already gone through and you're on the other side or a present secret you're still living with, please reach out to me and message me below or email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Thanks again. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. 
Thanks again. See you soon. 